Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Alive. The nothing personal word of the day for February 4th, 2021 is alive. There's some times on nothing personal where we're going to do a segment where we're going to talk about a subject that is not comfortable because that's what you want me to do and that's what I want to do. And too many people are afraid to talk about the subject of suicide. Alive is a movie a documentary that I watched yesterday. It's the Drew Robinson story. An article came out written by Jeff Passan, a very long, about an 11,000 word article about the story of Drew Robinson. And then there was a documentary that accompanied it that I watched. And I wanted to have this conversation because I started to think about as president of a baseball team, as a father, as a brother, as a son, what role do I play in people's lives? What role do I play? Do we all play in looking out for each other? What signs do I need to look for dealing with players and family members and friends? The story of Drew Robinson is that he's a baseball player who was drafted, came from a family of baseball players. His brother, older brother played baseball. Parents got divorced when he was young. He took it hard. He had depression through the course of his life. He went into the minor leagues got drafted, went into the minor leagues, got called up to the big leagues. His depression did not go away. Hit his first big league home run, which was his first hit. His depression did not go away. He felt that he was not good enough. And he is articulating all of this after an incident that is hard to watch and is hard to read about. Drew Robinson, a major league baseball player, decided during the pandemic on a random day in April that he was going to sit on his couch and shoot himself in the head. And he did shoot himself in the head and he did not die. His eyes opened. He then sat for 20 hours deciding what to do. Should he finish the job or should he call for help? And he had an epiphany of sorts about 20 hours later when he called 911 The police came, the ambulances came, and five surgeries later, he lost his right eye, but he's alive. He decided to tell his story because he wants people to learn to get help. He wants people to understand 
that what you see is not always what you get. He wants people to never judge a book by its cover. And he wants people to be willing to seek help before it's too late. Because make no mistake, Drew Robinson being alive is one of the most lucky, fortuitous, medically shocking things I've ever seen. A doctor during the documentary is quick to point out that the miracle that the bullet that he put into his head did not destroy his brain and kill him is a miracle that cannot be explained by any science. He tried to talk about different bones it may have hit. The body cam footage is heart-wrenching, difficult to watch. But there is body cam footage when the police came to get him. And I started thinking after watching the documentary, which, by the way, is not a great documentary in terms of documentaries, but it's just a very important subject. I started thinking about what we are going to do during this mental health crisis that we are in, pandemic-caused mental health crisis, the unbelievable amount of isolation that people have. How do we take the stigma away because all anybody wants to do is feel as though they're not alone, feel as though that there are other people going through what they're going through, feel as though that the feelings they have or the thoughts they have can be dealt with because they are normal. I contribute to people's problems. That's what I was thinking about last night and this morning talking to Coca. I contribute to people's problems by making them believe there's something they're not. Which is one of the single worst attributes that a business or a person can have. To give them false hope of a dream. To make them live a lie. What am I talking about? I'm talking about all the people who we draft into our minor league system who think they're going to be major leaguers who aren't. All of the times that we release minor league players who have no education, no career prospects, and all they've done is been told their whole lives that they're going to be big league players. And we release them, and that's it. We pretend to follow up, but we don't. We pretend to offer them help, and we do, but we don't follow up to see if they take it. And I don't know what we could do differently other than honesty. The problem with honesty is you end up telling people prematurely before they are ready to hear it that their dream is over. There was a study done in Baseball America in 2019 by the magazine and they looked at every draft from 1981 to 2010. And they found that about 17.6% of players drafted make it to the majors. That's it. If you're drafted in the first round, you have a 73% chance of making it to the majors. But out of that 73%, there is a very high percent, not noted, but I can tell you from my experience by looking at all of our first round picks, if you get a cup of coffee, meaning you get called up and you stay up, but you never attain arbitration, you never get three years 
of service time, three years of experience, forget making free agency. That counts as being a big leaguer. If you're drafted in the second round, you have a 51% chance of making it to the big leagues, even if it's just for a cup of coffee. And after the second round, good luck. All we do is talk to you about the stories of, look where Albert Pujols was drafted. Look where Mike Piazza was drafted. Look where A.J. Ramos was drafted. I just like putting A.J. Ramos in there because he would talk to me all the time about the fact that he was drafted so low in the draft and he had to prove himself because our organization didn't give him the benefit of any doubts. We made him perform every single time he took the mound because if not, we just release him. We had nothing invested in him. These players all get drafted. It's their lifelong dream. Drew Robinson got drafted. His lifelong dream came true. Even made it to the big leagues and no one was paying attention and I'm not blaming anyone in the Texas organization. Nobody. I'm not blaming Drew Robinson. I'm not blaming Drew Robinson's family. What I am blaming is the society that we have built where people are measured by fantasy and not reality. When people view your social media, they look at your baseball card. During a pandemic, they see some people partying, some people solo, some people despondent, some people masking all of their pain. When you're in a minor leagues, we talk to you all the time about working hard, doing everything you have to do because look what can happen when you're a big leaguer, you can become a millionaire. You can take care of your family, your family's family, your friends. And what we don't tell them is that the odds of that happening are so de minimis that you might as well buy lottery tickets at the same time. Is it coach's responsibility to know what goes on when players are at home? Minor league players who live for an apartment eating Taco Bell every day? Minor league players who often live with other families, not their own, when they're in the lower levels. Is it those family? Is it their responsibility not just to open their home, but also to monitor the mental well-being of the player? We had one team psychologist who was responsible for our entire minor league system and the major league system, making a couple trips a year to each minor league city. It's not enough. We had coaches who were supposed to look out. We asked them to pay attention to things that are going on, but their job really is to develop players who we expect to become major leaguers. The amount of guilt I feel is that I spent a career buttressing myself on the backs of others with almost reckless disregard to the fallout. can't change it. I can't go back in time. I can use this platform to be helpful, to talk to people who are listening to the show, to give them a phone number. There's a national suicide prevention hotline. The number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Do you know what that is? That's a phone number that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you pick up the phone and you say help. The same way that you'd say help if you broke your leg skiing, you would call for help. 
The same way that if you don't feel well and you're coughing up phlegm or blood or you have a headache or a sore throat or a fever, you call the doctor for help. We've talked on this show about the stigma associated with mental health. We've talked about the fact that Kevin Love, Paul George, the players who have the guts to talk about how they really feel. And you think that it's just players who don't make it. Those are players who made it. Word just came out about Andrelton Simmons, that he opted out. And I was critical of him opting out during the pandemic. What an absolute idiot I am. He opted out last August because of mental health. I said he opted out because the Angels were out of it. And what did he care? He was going to be a free agent anyway. The callousness of that take is just because of my past 18 years in the big leagues. It shouldn't be the last thing I think about. It should be the first thing I think about. Are you okay? What can I do to make you better? If you don't want to tell me as your team president or as your podcast host, are you willing to just tell a stranger? Drew Robinson's family had no idea the depths of his depression, the way baseball made him feel, how he never felt good enough. You pick up the phone and talk to a stranger. I've talked to you about therapy. Damn it, Coca. What's upsetting me is that are we going to be able to save someone's life? With the depression that people feel during this pandemic, the feeling of, of isolation and loneliness, the feeling that they won't be able to get off their feet or afford to pay the rent if they've been let go, the feeling that the stimulus checks aren't enough, worrying about money because everybody worries about money no matter how much you have. Everybody worries about money as though that matters. Are we doing enough, Matt? Are we doing enough so that people will not be ashamed? Who feels shame when they call a medical doctor for a physical ailment? Nobody. Why do we feel shame to reach out when we don't feel right mentally? Make no mistake about it. Drew Robinson is one of the lucky, lucky few who chose suicide and failed. He now has a motto that he was meant to be alive. He keeps repeating, I'm meant to be alive. 12 weeks after he tried to take his life, he started playing baseball again. He's going to minor league camp with the San Francisco Giants. The documentary has a doctor saying that within one year of a, of a failed suicide attempt, a overwhelming majority of people try again and more often than not succeed. Drew Robinson is not out of the woods by any stretch, even if the feel-good story of the year means that he makes the major league roster out of camp. He's going to minor league camp, not major league camp. The odds are he will not make the team. He is getting help. He is in therapy. There will be a time when he will be released. And a baseball executive will call him into an office and say, Drew, your dream is now over. We are releasing you. Hmm. 
I wonder whether they will treat him differently and they'll release him in a different way, take different care, give him an extra shot. That's one player in your system out of hundreds of players and all the other players are not getting that benefit of the doubt. And I really don't want anyone to think that you would be lucky enough to be that lucky if you choose not to get help and you think that the only way is with a gun. The reason my word of the day and our word of the day on nothing personal is alive is because every day when you open your eyes, you are alive. The gift of life, it's fleeting. Whether you live 10 years, 30 years, 70 years, or 81 years, or 120 years. Every day that you open your eyes, if you find one, one thing that keeps you going to the next day, one thing that gives you a feeling of pride, that's how you go from a Monday to a Tuesday. The overwhelming thoughts of despair and depression that people feel, it's like having the weight of the world on their shoulders because nothing feels right, nothing goes right. No one's there to understand. No one's there to help. That's where the breakdown happens because there's always someone there to help. There's always someone to listen, even if it's not a member of your family. There's always someone who has been through exactly what you've been through and what you're going through. You are not alone. You are alive. Please watch the Drew Robinson story. Please read the article and find your one thing today, tomorrow, and be on the lookout so you can help other people find their one thing and get to tomorrow and be alive. I don't even know how to segue to the next topic, Coca. I really don't. So there is a uh, other news going on in the sports world. Did you see what's going on with the Super Bowl? We have, we're, today is uh, Tuesday, February 4th. And uh, today doesn't feel like a Tuesday to me, Coco. What day is today? It is Thursday. Today is Thursday, February 4th. The Super Bowl is in 72 hours. Right now, if any player comes down with COVID, test positive for COVID, that player will not be able under the NFL protocols to play in the Super Bowl. So teams are being super careful. They're not even in Tampa yet. Well, Tampa's in Tampa. I think the Tampa players are home. I wonder if the Tampa players are all in a hotel quarantined right now. Kansas City players are not traveling, I don't believe, until Saturday down to Tampa. Kansas City Chiefs had a scare. And the scare makes me a little cynical about the facts of the case. So let's review. There's a backup offensive lineman named Daniel Kilgore. He was getting his hair cut by a barber when the barber tested positive. He continued to get his... He continued to get his hair cut, left the chair, 
went into immediate isolation. They pulled the barber out of the barber shop, put him in isolation and announced that only Daniel Kilgore and one other backup player had been in contact with the barber, but there were 20 people in line to get their haircut, including Patrick Mahomes. We've got a uh, team barber. His name is Hugo from Heads Up Barbershop in Miami. The barbershop in Miami is where players go during the offseason. And we made him a barbershop in the ballpark, his own barbershop outside the clubhouse. And players, both home and visiting, would congregate in the barbershop every single day. Once COVID started, the congregating was done. Hugo would clean very well in between cuts as he always would. But my question is this to the NFL. How exactly did you let a barber have access to players on a Super Bowl participant before that barber got the result of a test? Anybody who's in contact with players as a tier one contact needs to be tested every day. We've been talking about this for almost a year. I find it extremely hard to believe that Daniel Kilgore was the only player who got his hair cut by the barber. What's the story? Did he take a test, the barber, and said, hey, the results are coming back in 10 minutes, but I got such a long line, I might as well start. Daniel, you're first. Everybody else, wait six feet apart, wait in the clubhouse, wait somewhere. But I'm going to start with Daniel Kilgore. Not sure that's how it works. I'm not sure we're ever going to know whether other Kansas City Chiefs, other important players had access to the barber before the barber's test results came back and he was pulled out of the chair. I'm not convinced in any way that we would give you the story in the public if we were inside baseball, that we would give you the story. I just don't think we would because we need Patrick Mahomes playing. We need Tom Brady playing. The game must go on. There's no way they're delaying the game. There was talks in the media. If Mahomes or Brady tested positive or were contact, in contact with someone with COVID, you better delay the game. You need the quarterbacks. Not going to happen. N-G-T-H. The game will go on. And you bet your bippy that unless Mahomes and Brady test positive, they will not be in contact with anyone who tests positive. No matter whether they're in contact with anyone who tests positive. And you're asking me, how could I impugn the integrity of the NFL? And the answer is, it's about business. It's not about integrity. You know that. 20 people in line for a haircut and only Daniel Kilgore was in the chair. Come on! Makes my blood boil. I've, I've noticed in my life a little nugget. And this is an important lesson for those of you who have get-rich-quick schemes. Those of you who believe that it's not hard work that make give brings success that sometimes it's just circumstance. If here's the rule, 
It's a very simple rule. It's a rule on the field. It's a rule off the field. If something is too good to be true, it's not true. That's it. Get it tattooed on your forehead, on your arm. Did you see the guy, Coca, in the lineup who had a a map of Florida where Charles Manson used to have a swastika? He did a the, the, the picture of the state of Florida on his forehead. Can you imagine? Don't get it tattooed on your forehead. If something is too good to be true, and I love tattoos, by the way, just not on your forehead. If something is too good to be true, it's not true. Seems way too good to be true. That GameStop is all of a sudden going to be at 400. Hmm. It's too good to be true. It's not true. It seems too good to be true that someone's asking you to just put $1,000 in their bank account and one day later from a bank account in Nigeria, you will get a million dollars. Guaranteed. You give $1,000 to the Nigerian bank account and you know what happens? You get zero back. Don't worry, I can win the Ed McMahon sweepstakes. Look, I won. No, I didn't. The lottery, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning. You like the odds of being struck by lightning? Please, if it's too good to be true, it's not true, but that does not mean that you don't work and don't try. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I hope you made it through the commercials. I was supposed to tell you we're going to talk about the Golden Globe nominations. It's my favorite time of year. It's awards time. We're also going to talk about a little bit about Drew Brees because Sean Payton was on CBS on a pod, one of CBS's other pods, and said some very interesting things. But I want to talk about the Golden Globe nominations first. There are people like Coca who are pretending that this is a bad year for awards. They don't like any of the movies that are being nominated. And that is because he is grumpy and isolated, but breathing, trying to find the positives, Coca. There are some really good movies out there to be seen and the nominations came out. There were a couple of surprises and a couple of notes that I want to give you. Let's start with the fact that three women, historic, three women are nominated for Best Director. And this is not a case of the Golden Globes trying to make up for previous indiscretions. This is a case of the Hollywood Forum Press saying, what are the best movies 
what were the best directors. I don't care if they are a he, a she, or a they. Isn't that wonderful? That we may get to a point in movies and in sports where it doesn't matter what's going on below the belt. All that matters is the quality of the work. Oh my God. It's like epic. Regina King is nominated for One Night in Miami. We've reviewed it. Chloe Zhao is nominated for Nomad Land that hasn't come out with Francis McDormand. We're going to watch it. Emerald Fennel is nominated for Promising Young Woman. We've reviewed it and asked you to see it. That's big news. You may not remember Borat came out this year. Sasha Baron Cohen was nominated as well as his daughter, played by Maria Baklava. That can't be, I'm, I'm not saying her name right, right? Because baklava is what I eat. Or is that babka? I think it's baklava. Coca, do I eat baklava? Well, you whatever. All right, let's move on. She's nominated for Best Actress. He's nominated for Best Actress. Sasha Baron Cohen has a second nomination. It's about time you started taking him seriously. Best Supporting Actor in The Trial of the Chicago 7. Another movie nominated for Best Picture that we reviewed and you should watch. My top TV show in my top three of all time, I believe behind MASH and Survivor, is Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek nominated for five Golden Globes. If you have not yet watched the six seasons of Schitt's Creek, Please, right now. Chadwick Boseman is nominated posthumously for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in the Best Actor category, and I'm not rooting for him to win. That does not mean I don't feel terribly that he died of colon cancer in his 40s. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It means that Riz Ahmed was the better performer in a movie this year. Spike Lee's to Five Bloods did not do well. That is a big story. People are calling it a snub. The movie was fine. Actually, Chadwick Boseman appears in that movie. The movie was not bad. Delroy, Delroy Lindo was looking for a best actor nod, did not get it. I still think it's a movie you should see. We reviewed it, but it was left out of the Golden Globes. There is no correlation between Golden Globes and Oscars. The Oscar nominations come out in March, and the ceremony is in April. Everything's been delayed by a couple of months. What did we learn about the Golden Globes and what did we learn about life during this pandemic? If you are not bullish on streaming services, then here's the boat and you're not in it. Netflix led the way. Netflix original movies, Netflix original TV shows, streaming Everyone used to say, streaming's the future. When I joined CBS Sports HQ on its first day, the first day of HQ was on my birthday, February 26, 2018. I may have that wrong, Coco, but I feel like I'm right. I feel like that was the first day the lights went on on CBS Sports HQ. And I had to explain to people it's a 24-hour streaming network. Back in 2018, ooh, streaming. I guess you couldn't get a job at a regular TV network. No, that's not the answer. Streaming, how do I find that? If you are still asking how to find a streaming network, you are not the target demographic for all of Hollywood and all of sports and all the studios. You just go to cbssports.com backslash live. You go to the app on your smart TV under CBS. 
and you see CBS All Access and CBS and News, CBS Sports, and then CBS HQ. It's 24 hours. Once in a while, you see my unglorious mug talking baseball as an MLB analyst. The network has great analysts in football and basketball and baseball and soccer. Great anchors, regular sports center anchors from Chris Hassel to Hakeem Dermish to Amanda Guerra to Tommy Tran to Jenny Dell and others. The fact is that streaming is not the future. Streaming is the present. So get on the program. By the way, to get on the program, this program, you can ask me any question at Twitter at David P. Sampson. You can download and subscribe. You can go on Apple, rate and review. Please do that. We are all judged by the number of followers we have, by the number of ratings and the number of five-star ratings, the number of reviews. Ask a question in your review, and I'll do that at the end of month mailbag episode. Hope you listen to the end of January episode. We'll do another one at the end of February. When you listen to this wherever you are, I believe, and this is absolutely anecdotal, that we are the number one baseball podcast on Spotify, so thank you. We continue to do well in the Apple rankings. Thank you. But please tell your friends and subscribe to the show. But we also have a segment where Coca gets to press a combination of buttons. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson comes from the movie Half-Baked. I'm looking to see if I'm wearing my Half-Baked socks right now. No, I'm wearing my 2016 All-Star socks. Half-Baked is a movie where everybody wants to talk to Samson, and so they do, and so you do. Hi, David. I have a question about team building. The Blue Jays built up a nice core of players and then had a pretty nice offseason getting Springer and some other fine players. When you go into a season after, quote, loading up like this, what is the mood in the front office? Is there concern about potential busts, or is it more of an optimistic time? Thanks, David. Love the show, even as a formerly disgruntled Expos fan. So my first message to you as a formerly disgruntled Expos fan, I assume you are currently disgruntled about the way I ran the Expos, and I don't blame you. While I do admit that I was the violin player on the deck of the Titanic when I joined the Expos, I was still the last man standing, so therefore get the blame for the fall of the Expos. People who know differently were around at, from 94 on know that joining in 2000 does not make me the culprit. It makes me sort of the Kevorkian of Expos baseball, and I get that. I appreciate the second chance that you're giving me here on Nothing Personal. Thank you. So let's talk about what the Blue Jays are thinking. Here's how it happens in order. The president of the Blue Jays baseball operations is a guy named Mark Shapiro. Mike Shapiro meets with the representatives of Rogers, who are the owners, the public company. There is a board. He meets the board. He gets a budget. The budget is based on what the business people believe will be the revenue generated by the team. What Rogers knows is the TV revenue generated by the team because they own the network that shows the Blue Jays. So they get it from both sides. They pay from the left hand to the right hand. We've talked about how incestuous it is when a team owns its own network, how you can hide money every which way but loose. So you meet with Clint Eastwood and you come up with a budget, a payroll number. 
Then as president of baseball operations, you look at your team and you say, whoa, with that payroll, here are the openings we have. Here are the needs we have. Here are the free agents. Here are the trade possibilities. Let's put this team together like you put together a newly purchased Lego set off Amazon. There is a way the pieces fit. There's a way the money fits. And that's how teams inform themselves how much they're going to offer a specific player or how much money they can take on in a certain trade. When you know that you can add a big, significant free agent, one of the top three free agents, when you know that you can not trade away anybody, but actually acquire, bolster your pitching staff, bolster your bullpen, bolster your lineup. You then go meet with your salespeople and you get them super excited. I've met with salespeople to get them super excited. I've met with salespeople to explain to them why we were cutting payroll and why we were rebuilding the team. You've got to communicate with your sales representatives every step of the way so they've got the information they need because they are the forward-facing, the public-facing people who are trying to get people to buy tickets to your show. And you've got 81 shows a year. You're trying to get sponsors to sponsor those 81 shows a year. You've got to go to them when things are good and when things are bad because you don't sell wins. If we had salespeople selling wins, we'd fire them. You don't sell what you cannot control. What you sell is the experience and you let other people talk about the wins and losses. How do we get other people to talk about wins and losses? When you know you're signing free agents, when you know that you're on the upswing, that you're building, you meet with members of your beat, of your media. You talk to national media members. You tell them what's happening and you let them write that the Blue Jays are going for it, that the Blue Jays now potentially have passed the Rays and can compete with the Yankees to win the AL East, that the Blue Jays, even in non-expanded playoffs, have a chance to make the playoffs how the Blue Jays are one of the most improved teams. When you take the microphone as president of a team and you say, we've done it. We've had the best off season. We can't wait to get started. We have expectations of making it all the way. It falls on deaf ears. Let other people carry your water. You can leak whatever you want. Don't get me wrong, but let other people carry the water. So in the front office, you have a feeling of excitement when you're building, a feeling of despondency when you're cutting. How are you going to make your numbers? How long will your rebuild be? How many years of losing are you going to stand? Is there a chance that we can outperform and maybe win a division? Is there a chance that we could go deep into the playoffs? What money do we have left over to acquire players at the trade deadline? All of those things are going on in the mind of the Blue Jays right now. The mood is extremely positive, but no more so than the 29 other teams. Because one thing that we're good at as baseball executives, one thing, we know the art of delusion better than anybody. Oh, I know we cut our payroll by 40 million, but I'm telling you, we got some young pitching here. And if that pitching just comes together with experience and works with our great pitching coach, we got a chance to really be in it in August. And then once you're in it in August, who knows what could happen? We could bring in some help and then go to the stretch run and we could be competing for a wild card. There is not one team who is not saying that right now. The hope of February springs eternal. The reality of June sucks. As you enter the dog days of summer, 
realizing that the team you put together is horse crap or realizing the team that you thought would be great is underperforming. It is every once in a blue moon that a team that you put together that you had no expectations for, if you were not delusional, surprises you and ends up being competitive. This time of year, you're not concerned about bus, my friend. That comes when you have shorts on. I appreciate always asking that question. So you want to talk to Samson, and you did. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We won. Anyone paying attention? We're pretty hot. Um, the Mavericks beat the Hawks 122-116. It is time for Luca to get rolling. The Mavericks are far better than how they've played, and I'm going to ride them. Not tonight, but I'm going to ride them. We're 15 and 13. When I looked at the slate tonight, my heart took over. It is not good to bet with your heart. I have the Nuggets winning the Western Conference, and they've been fine. I've got Luka winning the MVP, not Jokic. Jokic. Nick Jok Nikola Jokic, is that it, Coca? The Nuggets are playing the Lakers. I think the Lakers are playing for the first time since LeBron had that issue with the people in the front court. We talked about it yesterday. Believe me, LeBron doesn't care about that. It doesn't mean he's going to play badly. The Lakers are one of the best teams in basketball. I don't believe they have the best record in basketball, Coca, but I didn't check the standings. What I do know is I do not understand how a team like the Nuggets would be getting five and a half points from the Lakers. It makes no sense to me. I believe Jamal Murray is playing. I believe Jokic is playing. I believe LeBron is playing. I believe AD is playing. Five and a half is too much. This will be a closer game, which the Nuggets could even win. Nuggets plus five and a half over the Lakers. Let's try to get to three games over 500. That would be decent. The other thing that we are going to talk about is our prop bets. Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. We've been giving you a prop bet every day. Yes, we are keeping track. We're going to go through all the results on Monday. These prop bets are amazing. The one today is awesome. Ready? You can bet 110 to win 100. 1.1 units to win a unit on the following. The yards of the longest accepted penalty will be over or under 19 and a half. Personal foul is 15 yards. What penalties are greater than 19 and a half yards? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? You got it. P.I. D.P.I. Defensive pass interference on a pass downfield is a spot foul. You've got Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Tom Brady right now goes downfield more than any other quarterback. Patrick Mahomes will be going downfield during this Super Bowl. There will be multiple pass attempts of greater than 19.5 yards. The referees and downfield judges will not swallow their yellow sock all game. Over. The yards of the longest accepted penalty will be over 19 and a half. Bet the 1.1 units to win one unit. Those are the nothing personal picks of the day. And the PPP, the prom. Sorry, not prom. I'm thinking about James Corden, who was nominated for a Golden Globe for prom, which I can't believe. The prop, nothing personal pick of the day. Okay, wait to see is when you tell you something's going to happen. 
And then if it happens, we say we were right. If it doesn't happen, we revisit it. I really can't stand other shows where these guys give you hot takes and then they just forget about them. Not me, not here. Winston, not Winston Churchill, not Winston Cigarettes. The guy who used to be the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, remember? The number one pick. The guy with 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions a couple years ago when the Buccaneers said, forget that, we're going after Tom Brady. Jameis Winston, remember him? The guy we had to wait to see on when he was signed by the Saints to a one-year, $1.1 million contract, and we said he will not throw an interception in 2020. And by the way, he won't throw a touchdown either, regular season. He did throw a touchdown in the playoffs, but it was regular season. That wait to see was correct. I've got another Jameis Winston wait to see. He's a free agent. He's coming back to the Saints. Sean Payton, the coach of the Saints, went on a CBS podcast. By the way, if you're not downloading and subscribing to Cover 3, you should be. But I think he was on the Pick 6 podcast. But Cover 3 is awesome, too. All the CBS podcasts are pretty cool. And I'm hold on. Let me make sure I'm reading that right. Make sure you say in the last three minutes of the show. Hold on. I got to make I got to make a bigger Coke. I got to put my glasses on. Promote other podcasts on CBS because people are listening to nothing personal. Okay. Of course, I'm willing to do that. There's some great podcasts. Okay. So Sean Payton comes on and he says, you're going to know about Drew Brees in the next week or two. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, bonus wait to see Drew Brees is retiring. Period. Done. He's done. He played through unbelievable injuries. He wants to be able to be and play with his kids. Drew Brees has nothing left to prove. He is going to retire. The quarterback of the Saints is going to be Jameis Winston. I don't know whether he will start versus Taysom Hill. I think it's going to be Winston, but the way to see is that he will sign as a free agent with the Saints. What's interesting is what teams have to do when they've got a franchise player. The Buccaneers are going to go through this with Brady. We went through this with Ichiro. Everybody goes through this with older players, superstar players, franchise players, Mount Rushmore players in their sport. Drew Brees is one of those. How do you handle the retirement of that player? The only way to do it, and it absolutely stinks because it hurts your team, the only way to do it is to let that player retire on his or her own terms. You can talk to the player, but you cannot convince the player. Tom Brady came out and said he wants to play till he's 45. Ichiro came out and said he wants to play till he's 50. Ichiro had to have the jersey ripped off his back. Tom Brady will have to have the jersey ripped off his back, I assure you. Felix Hernandez will have to have the jersey ripped off his back. One of the great pitchers of my lifetime just signed a minor league deal with the Baltimore Orioles, trying to hold on. Felix Hernandez is not Felix Hernandez. He's a number eight pitcher these days. Drew Brees is not one of the best quarterbacks in football. It's done. He's retiring. The problem with Tom Brady is he's still one of the best quarterbacks. He had one of the best years. But at some point, it's just not going to happen for him. It is very difficult to get your franchise performer to retire. It is very difficult to 
ask him to retire. It's very difficult to convince him to retire. All you do is wait and hope that you can rebuild your team and find the next cornerstone player. That's it. It's not magic. It's not science. It's a lot of prayer that a player will have a little bit less delusion than the next guy. I appreciate you listening to the show today. The beginning of the show was important to me. Please, if you know anyone, anyone at all, who is having any sort of suicidal thoughts, if you know anyone who needs help, including yourself, please call 1-800-273-TALK. Contact me on DM on Instagram. I see as many as I can, but the 800 number is with professionals who will answer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not business to them, and it's not business to you. Please make it personal.